0: Thanks for being here this morning. Thanks for making the effort to uh, get up out of bed, get dressed, especially that one. Thank you for getting dressed. Thank you for being here. I just, uh, I appreciate this gathering together so much and I am so happy to see so many of you here. I also want to welcome those of you watching online from wherever you might be. Thanks for tuning in as well. I hope you're staying safe and healthy and all that good stuff, but I'm glad you're here. Uh, Today, we are continuing our series called Preventative Maintenance, and uh, we are not a very creative bunch around here. It is no secret what we're talking about. We are talking about things that you and I can do ahead of time in our lives to prevent future struggles, to prevent future pain, to hopefully lessen the amount of hurt that we experience in our life. Now, if you weren't here last week or if you didn't get a chance to watch the message online, I just want to recap what we, what we talked about, how we kind of kicked off this series. Because when it comes to preventative maintenance, there's kind of this idea that all of us have. And we think that it doesn't matter. We think we, there's just like this, this natural tendency, this bent inside of every one of us. I don't know if it's culture. I don't know if it's just ourselves. But we tend to think preventative maintenance doesn't matter. In most areas of life, whatever it is, It doesn't matter. And we'd rather, generally speaking, we would rather address problems once they come up. We'd rather replace a tranny when it breaks than get a tranny flush and extend the life. We'd rather adjust course and ask for directions once we're lost and figure out where to go for We'd rather learn how to exercise and eat healthy after we've had a heart attack. And, you know, you do it, I do it, In, in different areas of life, we all do this. We have this tendency to think, it doesn't matter. Preventative maintenance doesn't make a difference. I'll get to that later on. my life. I don't care if my life's going to hurt later. I just want to live right now. And that's how we typically operate. But last week, what we talked about is maybe instead of thinking this way, maybe we could start to ask ourselves a question. And the question is this. What if? What if it does matter? What if it does make a difference? What if preventative maintenance, what if there are things that you and I could be doing in our everyday lives ahead of time that could benefit us later on? What if what if a little bit of work up front, a little bit of energy up front, a little bit of discipline up front, a little bit of cost up front could actually save us in the long run? And last week we kind of looked at this big overarching principle that God has set up in the world that <clears throat> do not tire of doing what is good because at just the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing. In layman's terms, put good in, get good out. Okay, so that's That's not a promise, that's not always going to happen, but that is a principle that God has kind of set up and ordered in this world. And then we ask ourselves the question, what if that's true? What if God's instructions are really for our benefit? What if all of the do's and don'ts in the Bible are like manufacturer recommendations for a car? You know, you buy a new car, you get a 300-page booklet, rotate the tires, get an oil change, you know, check all these different things. What if we looked at the Bible, at, at the commands, at the say this, go that, all the things that God tells you? what if we approach that from a different perspective? Instead of, instead of thinking God is trying to limit our freedom or God is trying to be a killjoy or God doesn't want us to experience any happiness in life, what if we looked at those instructions as care and concern from a loving Heavenly Father who only wants the best for our lives? What if What if? That's that's the overarching question for this whole series as we talk about different preventative maintenance items. What if? What if? And I told you this last week, I'll say it again, If, if you and I aren't at least open to the possibility of that being true, that maybe God really does know better than us, maybe God really does see something different than us, maybe God really does care about our lives and has some good advice, if we're not open for that, I think the rest of this series is just going to be a waste, kind of. I mean, I know that sounds harsh, but it's, it's going to be like hearing you need a tranny flush when all you want is an oil change. And I don't want that for me. I hope you don't want that for you. And so this whole series, we're just keeping an open mind. What if God's instructions are good? What if they could help us? And today we're going to look at a very specific area of our lives. And this is, this is a place where I really think we need to keep this question in the back of our minds. Because today we're going to talk about this. Marriage. Marriage. Woo! Somebody likes marriage. Okay, good. (laughs) Hopefully, more of you do than that. Now, as I look around the room, I see that there's a good portion of you that are married, and so this will be applicable for you. But there are some of you that aren't. Some of you that never have any intentions to be. I have no idea about you watching online. Maybe you're married, maybe you're not. But here's the thing, especially if you're not married. I know the tendency is to be like, ah, that doesn't apply to me. I, I, I can start scrolling TikTok or something during service. Listen, don't do that, okay? If you're not married right now, maybe you want to be someday. Maybe you're dating somebody and this can still be some good advice for you. If you're trying to heal from a divorce, I think this can give some insight into maybe why things didn't work out. Even if you never have any intention of getting married, Certainly, you know people who are people that you love and care about. And, and with a divorce rate of about 50% in our country, I just think we could all use some more information about God's preventative maintenance for our marriages. Now, before we get into things, marriage is such a big issue. It is such a complex topic. Marriage relationships are so complicated. I, I mean, we I can't even say anything without giving you a couple disclaimers first, okay? So, Disclaimer number one is that what we are going to talk about today is preventative maintenance, okay? If if your car won't start, if the engine has a crack in it, getting a coolant flush is not going to help you, okay? You need to do some other things first. If your tranny is laying on the side of the road, getting a tranny flush ain't gonna help. When it comes to God's preventative maintenance for our marriages, what we're gonna talk about today is primarily for healthy marriages, healthy relationships. So if you are in a marriage relationship or you're engaged or you're dating somebody and you are experiencing abuse, either physical or emotional, listen to me, that is unhealthy, okay? That's not the way it's supposed to be. It's unhealthy. If your significant other or your spouse is trying to manipulate you or control every aspect of your life, that is unhealthy, Okay. If, if, um, if your spouse has cheated on you, been unfaithful, that is unhealthy. If you are in an unhealthy marriage, what we're going to talk about today might still be applicable, but I believe God would want you to take care of some other things first. There are some principles from God about relationships and speaking the truth in love and even self care that I think might be some first steps before you get to what we're going to talk about today. Now, if you're in an unhealthy marriage, that doesn't negate what God's instructions are. I'm just warning you, don't take what I say out of context. You're going to need some wisdom on how to apply this to your own specific relationships. Okay, so everybody good? This would mean yes. Okay, number two. Disclaimer number two. In addition to the Bible, much of what I'm going to talk about today actually comes from a book by Dr. Emerson Egricks called Love and Respect. I, listen to me. I believe that this is the best marriage book you can possibly read. Hands down, it is the best. This is based on biblical principles. It is God's instructions for our marriages, just an expanded form. Dr. Egricks has a couple decades of counseling experience. He does, he he researches scientific studies in here. He shares real life stories from people in this book. I'm telling you, this is, if you want to improve your marriage, I would say especially if you are dating somebody right now, if you are engaged to somebody, This is the best thing you can do for your relationship is to read this book. Now hopefully you read it together. I believe that if you do that and have conversations about it, that will help you immensely. But here's the thing. I want you to buy this book, okay? I don't get any royalties from it. You're not going to go to my Amazon seller account or anything. I just believe in this book so much. And so that's a lot of what I'm going to talk about comes from there. I don't want you to think I'm plagiarizing him. I'm telling you up front, A lot of it's going to come from him. So sometime during the message or sometime afterwards, open up the Amazon app on your phone, order that book, Love and Respect, Dr. Emerson Egricks, and I believe you will benefit from it immensely. Okay, so when it comes to God's preventative maintenance instructions for our marriage, you and I would probably assume God must have a lot to say about it, right? I mean after all marriage is intended to be a lifelong commitment as I already said it's complex it's complicated marriage is is uh, you know it's it's between two people two different genders and I know that's controversial to say in today's culture I don't mean to be offensive I'm just telling you the biblical definition of marriage is between a man and a woman And we see the world differently and we're going to run into issues and problems and we have different personalities and different backgrounds and different upbringings and all these different things. And you would assume that God probably has a lot to say. He probably has a bunch of instructions for us about dealing with all little intricacies and when you fight about this topic, do this. And when you disagree about this, do this. But as far as I can tell, I can only find two pieces of preventative maintenance instructions for our marriage. As I've read through the Bible, as I've looked at different things that I've studied, I can only really find two different pieces. And the first one is this. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. Afterwards, you should come together again. The implication that time without sex should be short so that Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And basically what Paul is saying is he's writing to the Corinthians, what God is saying through Paul is that married couples should be having lots of sex. (laughs) I thought that would have garnered more applause from you guys, but um, whatever. Listen, what he's saying, unless you're going to devote spending time to God in prayer, and not, listen, not prayer like oh God, don't let him start anything physical because I'm just too tired. Not that kind of prayer, okay? I mean actually spend time with God. Sex should be happening often. And listen, if you're a guy that doesn't read the Bible very often, you're missing out, okay? So like, maybe you should read it more. You might find stuff that would help you. So anyway, there's that, my gift to you. Okay, that is, uh, honest to God, that is some preventative maintenance for our marriage relationships. Now again, sex is within the confines of marriage. That's not what we're going to talk about today. Really, God's kind of piece of preventative maintenance for our marriage is really one big instruction. It's broken up based on who he's talking to. But there's one piece of preventative maintenance for us. And what we're going to look at today, what God's instructions are, I'm going to tell you up front, some of you are going to have a hard time with this. This is counterintuitive, this is countercultural. This is not what society teaches us. You may even have a, an initial gut reaction, think, no, that's wrong. But remember the question for this series: what if? What if God knows something that we don't? What if his preventative maintenance is actually good for us? So here it is for today for our marriages. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. And never treat them harshly. So thanks for being here today. Let's pray. <clears throat> okay, it's not, it's not that easy, is it? I told you this is going to be tough for some of us. This, this goes against the grain of what culture tells us. But here's what I know about all of us. When, when we read this verse, wives submit, husbands love, I don't, I don't know everybody here, certainly don't know everybody watching online, I don't know what your background is. I don't know if you're married or not, how long you've been married, how good or bad your marriage has been. But I want to let you in on a little secret. I'm a mind reader. Okay? Don't laugh. It's real. <laughs> I'm a mind reader because I know exactly what you're thinking. What I, I know what all of the husbands in the room are thinking. You are telling yourselves, hey, wives, maybe even gave her the elbow, submit, huh? Why don't you submit to me? Why don't you, we, we like to puff out our chest, man like, hey, why don't you respect me? Like, I got no, here's what husbands are we're thinking. I have no problem loving my wife. If only that would just submit. Why don't you listen? Why don't you, why don't you do what I say a little more? And you know, we, again, if you don't read the Bible, this is probably a part that you would enjoy, right? Like, hey, yeah, I mean, you can't argue with God, wife. You have to submit to me. But, ladies, okay, I'm not a lady, but I still, I know what you're thinking too. Wives in the room, doesn't matter how long you've been married, how good or bad it is, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, hey, jerk face, why don't you love me a little more? Why don't you show some concern about me? Why don't you care? When's the last time you asked me about my day, husband, huh? I have no problem submitting if only you'd love me a little more. And, And here's the thing every single one of us, husbands and wives, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, well, if you do, then I will. Or you never do so that I won't. And that's where we run into trouble. That's where we run into problems. In his book, Love and Respect, Dr. Egricks talks about this type of thinking, this like transactional sort of relationship where if you do, then I will. And he calls it the crazy cycle. And here's, here's what the crazy cycle is. That when she doesn't feel loved, she reacts, responds, without respect and when he doesn't feel respected he reacts or responds without love and when she's not sensing any love in that relationship it becomes so easy for her to act in ways that are disrespectful. And when he's not experiencing respect, when he's feeling disrespected, when he's feeling cut down, it becomes so easy for him to react without love. And without love, there's no respect. And without respect, there's no love. And the cycle just continues and continues and continues. And don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever been on the crazy cycle before? Right? Here's the thing. Men and women are created differently on purpose. We're not supposed to be the same. We're not designed the same. We have different needs. Now, men and women both need love and men and women both need respect. However, what we tend to need based on our gender is usually different. We tend, men tend to need respect more than love and women tend to need love more than respect. In his book, Dr. Egerich talks about a study that he did with 7,000 people And he asked these 7,000 people a question. He says, When you are in the middle of conflict with your spouse or your significant other, he said, Are you more likely to feel unloved or disrespected? In the heat of the moment, when you're fighting, when you're bickering, do you feel unloved or disrespected? Over 80% of the men said disrespected, and over 70% of the women said unloved. It's the same conflict, it's the same issue. But because we are different, our felt needs are different and they don't, they're not met. In his book, he talks about another study that a psychology professor at the University of Washington did over the course of 20 years with 2,000 couples. Okay, this is hard science data. He came to the same conclusion that a lack of love and a lack of respect is what's at the foundation of most marriage struggles. Men and women need different things. Women, for wives, most likely, and this is not in every single case, but most likely, you need to be loved. It's like air for you, right? You need to be valued. Women need to be cherished. You need, you need to know that you're, that you're important, that someone cares about you and your emotions and what you're feeling. And when you don't get that, it's like somebody suffocating you. Men, on the other hand, husbands, we tend to crave respect. That's what we need. There was another study done with 400 men and they were presented with two scenarios. Which one would you rather have? Scenario A was to be alone and unloved in the world. Scenario B was to feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone. 74% of the men Would rather live in isolation, never experiencing love, than to be disrespected. Husbands, when you and I, when we feel disrespected, it cuts to the core of who we are. That's one of our biggest needs as men. And it's not bad. It's not wrong. We don't have to experience love the same way that our wives do. There's this internal honor code for most men to to provide and to protect for and even die for the people that we love. And when we don't feel respected, man, that just hurts. That's like the sharpest knife you can dig into us. Women, wives tend to need love. Men tend to need respect. But unfortunately what happens is she doesn't feel loved. She reacts without respect. Without respect, he reacts without love. And the crazy cycle just continues and continues and continues. So what do we do about this? How How do we fix this issue that I think every single one of us who are married have felt. If you are engaged, I guarantee you're going to face this. If you're divorced, you might say that's exactly why I'm divorced. How do we remedy this issue in our marriages? And I think again, this is where we look at God's instructions, God's preventative maintenance for our marriages. If we look at what Colossians says, again, it says this: Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands. Love your wives and never treat them harshly. And I want to try something today, okay? And this is, this is revolutionary. This might make some of you feel uncomfortable. This is some out-of-the-box thinking, okay? So just hang with me for a moment. Play along. But I want to read a couple words because I know the English language can be confusing. So if you will just play along with me, humor me, even if you're watching online, say this out loud. I just want you to read this first word here. What does it say? Wives. Hold on. Man, I thought it said something else. Okay, just one more time. What does this word say? Wives. Wives. So if it says wives, who do you suppose this instruction is for? Well, husbands, obviously, right? (laughs) Here's the thing. If you are not a wife, maybe don't read the rest of that sentence. If you are not a wife, This isn't for you. This isn't your responsibility. You don't need to check up on this and make sure it's happening. If you are not a wife, reading the rest of this sentence is going to be like reading somebody else's mail because this is addressed to wives. I want to read another word. Go ahead, say it out loud with me. What is this word? Husbands. So I bet that one's written to the wives, right? No, again. If you are not a husband, all the ladies in the room. This, I'm going to cross it off. This might as well be like this. Don't read it. It's not for you. It's not your responsibility. This is written for husbands. If you if you take on this, if you try and make sure it happens, this is like reading your husband's mail. This isn't for you. This isn't meant for you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> TPT. I don't want to watch TPT. Uh-oh. Husbands and wives, the TV doesn't like this instruction. Where is it plugged into? Yes, the word of the Lord. <clears throat> so here's, here's, here's the revolutionary thought for today, okay? What if you and I, husbands and wives, what if we decided to only work on ourselves for a little bit? Honestly, what if we just focused on God's preventative maintenance specifically directed to us? Because there's no asterisks on these verses. There's no stars or subnotes. God doesn't use Paul to write, Wives, when your husbands finally love you in the way that you feel like you need to be loved, then go ahead and submit to him. He doesn't say that. And he, he doesn't say to husbands, Husbands, once you feel like your wife respects you, and then love her. No, 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 no. God's heart, again, within the context of a healthy marriage, is that this, wives submitting, husbands loving, would happen regardless of the other person. That wives would submit to their husbands regardless of if their husbands love them in the way that they need to be loved or not. And husbands the same, that you and I, that we would love our wives regardless of whether she submits and respects or not. In a different letter, in a letter called Ephesians, The Apostle Paul goes into explaining more detail of what this means and how it looks and why we should do it. And he starts off with wives. He says this Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands. How? As you do to the Lord. Why? For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body, Of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. If you are a wife, if you are a woman, I know these verses are challenging, okay? I don't know firsthand, but I can imagine these are challenging. But this is not a license for abuse, okay? This is not a license for manipulation. This doesn't mean that you follow your husband blindly into some sort of sinful activity. This is not something that you have to, this is not an attitude that you approach with all men in all places. This is not Paul writing about toxic masculinity, whatever that is. I'm not even sure, but that's not what this is. This is not saying to you wives and you women, this is not saying that you are inferior in any sort of way. Men and women are equal in value equal in importance, equal in intelligence, equal, completely equal to God in their value and his love for us and created on purpose, this does not mean that you are inferior. But what Paul is writing here, God's preventative maintenance for wives is to submit to respect husbands in the same way that you do to God. Because here's what it comes down to. Following this piece of instruction is not even really about your husband. I mean, the application is, how it plays out in our life is. But more than anything, this is about you trusting God. Right? Sometimes God asks us to do things or gives us instructions that we don't understand and God, that seems odd and I don't know if that's really going to work. But our heart, all of us, not just wives, our heart ought to be towards God. I trust you. I'm going to do what you say. I know you're good. I know you love me. I know you care about me, so I will follow what you say. And that's the same sort of heart that God wants for wives in a marriage relationship. Because I trust you, because I believe the best about you, because of the order and authority that God has put into this world, I will submit, I will respect you. Now, I know what submission is like in life. I understand that, especially in the world that we live in today. But I don't know what that's like for you wives inside a relationship like that. I can't imagine how difficult it must be for some of you to feel such strong convictions about how to handle money, about goals for your family, about how to discipline your kids. And then to read this and think, wait, I have to submit to my, but my husband wants to discipline a different way. My husband wants to head a different direction how uh, how can that be? I think I'm right. I think he's wrong. Here's the question that wives, I think you ought to ask yourselves, what if? What if God's right? What if his instruction for you is good What if he knows how human beings are wired and knows that this is the best thing you can do for your husband? What if this whole marriage thing was actually God's idea from the beginning? What if the single best thing you can do as a wife is to submit to your husbands? What if that would make your marriage better? What if that would prevent future struggles down the line? What if? What if God's instruction is good? Now husbands, Paul, God, is an equal opportunity offender, okay? So he doesn't leave us out of the mix. In the very next verse, Paul writes this to husbands. Husbands, love your wives. How? How far? What does it look like? Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, i got to talk to myself right here too. Our role as head, as leader, as authority, as whatever sort of other synonym you want to use, That role is not meant to, like, hoard over our wives. It's not meant to be intimidating. We're not supposed to use that to control every aspect. We're not supposed to use that to manipulate her. It is meant to be a, a, uh, like a, a leading, sacrificial, protecting, caring, principled kind of love. Because that's how Jesus loved the church. Someday, guys, you and I are going to have to answer to God for how we led our family, for how we managed our money, for how we disciplined or didn't discipline our kids, for how well we loved our wives. And all throughout the New Testament, the church, not the building, okay, the church's people, the church is referred to as the bride of Christ. That using that imagery, Jesus is the groom and the church people are the bride. Do you know how Jesus loved the church? Men in the room, do you know how that happened? See, when when we think about love, because of our culture and the world that we live in, we tend to go immediately to emotional, mushy-gushy sort of stuff. And part of that is love. Part of the way that Jesus loved the church is by caring for her, by listening to her needs, by spending time with her, by weeping with people who are weeping, by experiencing emotions. Part of that is what a biblical definition of love is. But that's not the only thing either because Jesus loved the church in some incredible ways that you and I, guys, we don't typically associate with love. He protected the church, that he was the one to take the the brunt force, he was the one to take the ridicule. Part of loving the church meant that he led the church. He stood for principles. He stood for what was right and wrong. He would correct the church when they were off. I think sometimes we miss what it means. And we, we, when, we, when we hear this, this instruction to love our wives, we think it's just this emotional stuff. And, and again, part of that is true, but that's not all of it. Loving our wives like Jesus loved the church takes sacrifice, it takes thinking of her more than we think about ourselves. It means that we're willing to stand up for what is right and lovingly lead our family the right direction. It's tough. Part of Jesus loving the church meant that there wasn't even always peace. Sometimes there was conflict, but for the good of the church. And so husbands, here's, here's, here's the question for us. What if What if God is right? What if God knows how we're wired as humans? What if this whole marriage thing is actually God's idea from the beginning? What if the best thing that we can do as husbands to to strengthen our marriage, to build connection in our marriage, to prevent future struggles in our marriage, what if the best thing we can do is to love our wives? Regardless of her response. Regardless of whether she's doing her thing or not. What if? You see, we talked about the crazy cycle earlier and how so many of us can get on that because we have this if-then sort of transactional view of marriage relationship. But the point of the book, Love and Respect, and what I really think God's heart for our marriages is, is not to stay in the crazy cycle, but it's actually to get to something that Dr. Egricks calls the rewarded cycle. And this is the rewarded cycle that he loves, the husband loves, regardless of her respect. And that wives you would respect regardless of his love. That husbands would take the proactive, preventative approach to love their wives regardless of whether she does her role or not. Because her role is not our responsibility. We don't need to make sure that it happens. We don't need to ensure it happens. And we don't withhold if it doesn't. We love regardless. And wives, What if the best thing you can do for your marriage is to take the proactive, preventative approach to respect your husband, to submit to him, to understand the authority structure that God has put in place, regardless of his love. Now, the goal is that both of these would be happening at the same time, but even if not, what do you think would happen to wives? Husbands, I'm talking to us right now. What do you think would happen to our wives if we loved them? Not if they did the right thing, not if they respect us the way we want, but just love them because that was God's call on our life. do you think that would help her? Don't you think that she would feel so much better? And don't you think that maybe this might happen if we did this? Wives, what if you respected your husband? Regardless of whether he's right or not. I'm not talking about going into sin, okay? Don't, don't take this out of context. But even if you think he's wrong, even if he is being a little heart, what if you respected him because you wanted to fulfill God's call on your life? And look, there's, there's, there's a lot more stuff we could talk about this. Again, I hope you buy the book, Love and Respect. He gives details and stories and statistics on how we do this. There's acronyms he uses of couple and chairs and all sorts of stuff. Go buy the book. You can talk about it later. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, what if? Okay? What if? What if God's instructions are true? What if they're meant to benefit us? What if we could actually build a stronger relationship, be more connected, be happier, be more unified in our marriages if we simply did what God said? What if he's right? Listen, if, you're, if your marriage is, is on the rocks or if you're headed for divorce, what have you got to lose by trying it out? I mean, honestly, if you get divorced, that's the way you were headed anyway. What would it hurt to try? Wouldn't, wouldn't, If there's even a sliver of hope left, wouldn't you want to try? If you've got an average marriage, yeah, there's some fights and there's some good times and it's up and down, don't you want your marriage to be better? I mean, don't, wouldn't, wouldn't you like to prevent future struggles? Wouldn't you like to prevent future hurts? What have you got to lose? Even if if you're here, you're watching online, you've got a great marriage. If we should all take marriage advice from you, don't you want to make sure it stays that way? Good luck is not a good plan for the future, okay? Relying on the past is not a good plan for the future. What if God is right? I believe that he is. I believe that there is something that we can do in our relationship. The best preventative maintenance possible is to remember our roles. Wives submit and husbands love. But I don't want to pretend like that's easy because it's not. There's no way around. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. That's not always easy. And I know that sometimes in our relationships that they can be difficult and they can be painful and they can leave scars that last for years. Just because we read something on a screen today and you heard a message is probably not going to be like a light bulb 180 in your relationship. We need God's help in this. I need God's help in my marriage. You need God's help in your marriage, in your dating, whatever it it might be. And so here's what I want to do today. We've still got a couple minutes left. We're not going to be late. We've built some time into the service where we are just going to talk to God together. Where We're going to experience his presence together. And so just around the room, if we could bow our heads and close our eyes, just so we can focus God doesn't hear us any better. But I just want us to spend a few minutes with God and ask for his help. Because here's the thing you and I, we're not strong enough to do this on our own. I mean, we can do it when times are good, but we really do need God's help. So, Father, right now we are coming to you, admitting and acknowledging that we don't have it together. God, as much as we might want to try to do what you say, we're powerless, Father. We need you. We need you to give us strength and love and determination and care and concern. Father, I pray for married couples in the room right now, married couples watching online. Father, I pray that you would begin to work in the hearts of every married couple here. I pray that we would be more open than ever to your instructions for our lives. I pray, God, that you would soften our hearts to trust you more. Father, I pray for husbands in the room, husbands watching online. God, we can't love our wives like you love the church. It's just, it's humanly impossible. Father, I ask that you would supernaturally help us accomplish and fulfill the role that you have called us to. Father, I pray when we have a tendency to get frustrated or ticked off or unhappy because our wives didn't do the right thing, may you remind us in a way that only you can May you remind us of our, our calling, our role, our responsibility to love our wives? Would you help us connect with our wives in a way that is meaningful to them? Would you give us the strength to lead our wives even through difficult patches? Would you help us protect and provide for our wives? Father, may, may you... Your presence in us help us accomplish what you've called us to do. For all the wives in the room, God, I sincerely pray that you would supernaturally help them fulfill their roles. I can only imagine the amount of fear that they must face. I can only imagine the what-if questions that would come up. But God, I pray that you would Your presence would be so secure for wives. That they would be so secure in their love from you and their relationship with you that it would just be an overflow to respect their husbands, to trust their husbands because they are so close to you. God, may you supernaturally empower and strengthen every single wife to fulfill her role. Father, I also pray for the single people, people who haven't been married yet, here and online. Father, I pray that even before they get married, that you would be drawing them into a closer relationship with you, that you would be changing and molding their lives to trust you more, to follow you closer, to want to do what you say, not out of obligation but just because they are so close and connected to you. Father, I pray that you would already begin to cement in all the single people who are going to be married someday, cement your preventative maintenance instructions in their mind and in their hearts. And God, I pray supernaturally that you would protect their future relationships. Father, I also pray for people who have been divorced, people who have lost a loved one, people who have never been married and don't intend to. Father, I pray that your presence would be so fulfilling. I don't know what all the hurts are and the things that they've struggled with, but Father, I pray that your presence would heal past scars, would fulfill and satisfy every desire that they have right now. And Father, I pray that they would be so close and connected with you that they don't I don't feel a loss of not being married or losing a loved one. May they just be so close and connected with you. Father, we we want to do things your way. It's hard. It's difficult. But I pray for every single one of us that you would make a difference in our lives. That you would be the source of why we do what we do. I pray that the world would see something different about us. And may that be you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.